Wine You. Hi everyone. Welcome back to Wine You Wish Upon a Star. I am your host, Joe Peo. I'm your other host, Brenna Peo. And today we will be talking to you about 1951 Disney classic, Alice in Wonderland. Do you have any thoughts before we get into it? No, we should just jump straight in. There's, I took so many notes during this you one. You did. You just kept going. I maybe have like a page. I was a clickety-clack machine. Sweet. As you all know, on this podcast, we watch Disney films and review them in chronological order with a little bit of wine in our bellies. A lot of wine in our bellies. A lot of wine in our bellies. And our goal is to get a new perspective on these little classics that we grew up watching. Now that we're adults, functioning adults, who drink wine. This was a rather long movie, or it has been the longest movie thus far. So let's just jump straight in. Okay. We begin with the title cards. The beautiful title cards that are hand-painted and show like some of the characters from the film. There's a song that's playing that not many people remember, but it's like an Alice in Wonderland. It's like, Alice in Wonderland. And then I started laughing because it started saying, how do you get to Wonderland? It's like the people who were singing had no idea what they were singing about. They were like, this is a mystery to us, too. Well, also, was it sponsored by a radio station? No, it was an RKO picture. Dumbo was RKO picture as well. So it was one of those things that was like produced by Disney with the help and released and distributed by RKO as well. Oh, okay. So we start in a garden and there's butterflies. There's a ton of bugs. Like the first shot, you see this like cityscape or not cityscape. It's kind of like a landscape in a countryside with some greens. But then in every single like bit of distance, bugs, just bugs everywhere. So Alice is in a tree and she's being read to by her nanny teacher about history. And she's just not paying it. Alice is not paying attention. She's making a crown of daisies for her cat. Dinah. Thank you. I was going to say insert cat's name. I didn't write the cat down. I don't like cats, so I didn't write down its name. The, the funny thing is, is that like, you know, she starts talking about stuff just like, I don't understand this. And her history teacher's like, well, you, this is all very important. She's and you got to stop talking about nonsense. And she's like, but in my world, nonsense is all there is. Up is down. Left is right. Nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. And then she just like gets down from the tree and starts wandering away, just talking to herself. At this point, I was thinking, what, what is her teacher doing at this moment? She just like is off screen nobody cares about her it's just like she just keeps walking and talking with her cat and then lays down in a field of flowers and there's no more mention of the tutor well and she's like isn't would be is and is would be isn't and all the cats would talk along with all the animals they would wear clothes and i'd say hey dinah how are you doing and instead of you going meow 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 you'd say wonderful thank you or just something like that and this leads into the first disney wanting song Oh yeah, yeah. That there, there are the the classic wanting songs. I didn't know this was the first one. Well, have you seen one in any of the other movies? I guess not. No, this is the first well, wanting song. A little bit in um, maybe a little Snow bit in Pinocchio and Snow White when she's singing about you know her wish. She's wishing for the one she loves to find her. That's true, but this is the most clear version of the wanting song. Yeah. The funny thing is, and this is going to come back later, she's talking about like lying down in the flowers and be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to talk to flowers and they're all going to love me. And that becomes important later. Because the flowers are mean. Oh, they're so rude. So she lays down in the daisies and she starts singing about how she's longing for this world that's weird and nonsense. And 
She ends the song by looking into a river and that's when her reflection turns into the reflection or it morphs because you look down further the river into the reflection of the rabbit, the white rabbit that is in clothes. He's running around yelling he's late and he's wearing a pocket watch. And she doesn't even see him at first. It's like the cat sees him first. Dinah sees him Dinah first. Dinah sees him. And she's like, her eyes go really wide. And she's like clawing and pawing at Alice. And she's just like, look, look, look. And Alice is just like, it's no big deal. It's just a rabbit running around in a waistcoat. It's a rabbit running around in a waistcoat. He must be on his way to a party. Let's go, Dinah. Let's go to this white rabbit party. So she follows the rabbit into this carved out hole that's in the ground. And... She's like, oh, I really shouldn't because I wasn't invited to this party. And then uh, she falls into a deeper hole. And Dinah's like, okay, bye, and just waves to her. Her dress immediately becomes a parachute. And she starts falling and falling and falling. This is, okay, this is the first time that in the movie where I thought, well, I don't quite remember things this way. Because her fall down the hole, you'd think it would just be very swift, very quick. But it goes on for a while. In a movie that's pretty short, like it's, I think, under 70 minutes, but it's still like she is falling for a good like three minutes of that. Well, she passes a section of lamps and turns one on. So now the, the cave is illuminated. And then she sits she, in a chair. She and finds then some mirrors, and... falls into a rocking chair, grabs a book and reads for a little bit. Like this is just a very slow fall down. And she even has the time to think like, what if I fall to the other side of the world and people are walking upside down? Oh, now that's preposterous. And then she falls to a point where she stops and she sees the rabbit is running down the hall upside down. But then she looks at her feet and she's like stuck, like her feet have gotten stuck in some kind of like fireplace grating. And she's like, oh, I'm upside down. She like falls down. She's like, all right, on we go after this rabbit and this party that's going to be a big rager that I love. So she heads after the rabbit and she follows him through a series of doors that get smaller and smaller and smaller until she can't fit. And she gets to the talking doorknob. It's like behind, a, I guess, like a curtain. And she's like, oh, let her go. And she grabs it by the nose. And he's like, ah, and he freaks out. And then she's just like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just following this rabbit. And he's just like, it's, there's a problem because you're way too big. And so she says, well, how can I get, how do I get smaller? And he's like, well, didn't you try that potion, that drink that's on the table? And she's like, what are you talking about? She turns around and this like invisible table appears and this potion appears on top of it. And it says, drink me. So she picks it up and she's like, well, I probably shouldn't, but okay. And she starts saying that it tastes like the weirdest things like pineapple and, and cherry tart. And the last one, she says, roast turkey. Yeah. <laughs> and when she, with each taste, she's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So this is the first point in the movie where I realized like, oh, I totally understand why people in the 60s thought that this movie was all about drugs because she's offered... A strange substance and she just says okay yeah you're right this will totally be great for me so she drinks it she gets really small she tries to open the door again and he's like oh i forgot to mention i'm locked <laughs> silly me you didn't grab the key while you were big and she looks up at the table and a key just appears right there and she tries to climb it she's like i don't i don't know what to do i can't i can't reach it anymore and he's like well d what about the box did you try the box and she's like what are you talking about a box appears at her feet with a bunch of cookies that say eat me she's like oh here we go well whatever sure i'll try one and then she eats it and grows way way too big where she's like hunched on the ceiling so at this point she just gets 
so exacerbated at the growing big and small and she starts crying but she's so huge that her tears fill the small room and start to choke out the doorknob like drown him and so she grabs the the tiny bottle bottle. there's one tiny little bit left in it she drinks that and it makes her small enough that now she's able to fit in the bottle which in her ocean of tears she's able to actually go through the doorknob's mouth as he's drinking all of her tears wait before we go on i totally forgot about this because i didn't write it down but there (laughs) when she first started drinking the first bottle she like starts mumbling to herself about this whole thing about just like, well, I'm sure I shouldn't have too much. I mean, the bottle should have been marked poison if it was actually poison, but never have too much, I say, of something you don't understand or else you'll get really ill or poisoned if you don't understand. She's like just going off she's on this whole thing and she's like, herself. that's good advice I gave to myself. I'm really glad I gave that advice to myself. Yeah, it's just odd. So when she's in this bottle like a little boat and it goes through the door and all of a sudden she has a whole ocean there's a whole ocean of tears she starts seeing all these animals that are swimming swimming by like some uh, a group of lobsters doing the backstroke and she sees some birds some parrots and some parrots and seagulls and a dodo bird and then she sees the dodo bird and who's it's a riding... group of lobsters that are like a rowing team yeah she sees the dodo bird and the dodo is like his hair and his hat are exactly like ichabod crane from sleepy hollow that's true and so he's like all colonial he's smoking a pipe He's sitting on top of a toucan, like a black toucan that he's like riding as a boat. And there's a parrot that's kind of like pushing him from behind. And he's just like singing along. He's like shouting all these like nautical terms. And it's actually kind of funny because he sees her and he just goes, Ahoy! Another nautical expression. And then he just goes on by and she's like, you're not going to help me? And so she floats into this small island that keeps just being covered with waves, but there's all of these animals that we just saw are now running around in circles trying to get dry as the water just keeps hitting them. Yeah, they call it, the, the dodo is singing a song about it. He calls it the caucus race. And they're all running in a circle. There's the lobsters and some fish and some starfish, and they're all just kind of running in a circle. And she's just like, what is going on here? They're like, oh, this is the way you get dry. You just run in the circle. But then the tide keeps like washing over them. And she's like, it's impossible to get dry. So she sees the white rabbit come out of the ocean and he runs into the nearby forest. And she runs after him. Enter Tweedledee and Tweedledum. They do a little dance number. They block her from leaving. And they tell her she's very rude to not shake their hand and introduce herself. Manners is a huge theme in this movie. Oh, yeah. Everyone calls Alice rude at some point. They start asking her about, like, well, why are you chasing the rabbit? Why are you doing this? She's like, well, I'm just very curious. And he's like, ah. They're both just like, no, curiosity. It's a very dangerous thing. I've got a story for you. So they start telling the story of the walrus and the carpenter. It's a song that they sing to her. And basically, the carpenter and the walrus are walking along, and they decide they're going to, like, build a restaurant on the beach or something well i think it first starts out where the carpenter is just keeps getting sand in his shoes and he's just like walrus listen i keep getting sand in my shoes i never picked up on this before but he's like i think it might be a really good idea to start sweeping up all of the sand so that there's no more sand on the beach that way we don't get any more in our shoes but the thing is is that we're gonna have to put in some hard work and the walrus is like oh work i hate work Work is the worst, especially because I get so hungry all the time. And they're like, well, let's find something to eat. And they stumble upon a little sort of a tide pool that has a big family of oysters in it. 
And I'm talking like they've got a mommy oyster and all these baby oysters. And the walrus is like, come with me. Like, come up on the beach. It's so nice. And the mommy's like, no, it's only March. Like, we need to stay in the ocean. We need to sleep. We need to grow. Don't follow the walrus. And all of the babies follow the walrus away from their homes. Because they say, like, we're going to, the walrus and the carpenter are just like, oh, we're going to go for a walk. We're going to walk around. And if we get really hungry, maybe we'll stop in and get something to eat. But they're kind of winking at each other like, you know, they're going to eat the oysters. The walrus leads all of the oysters onto the beach, and the carpenter builds a restaurant out of, like, scraps that he finds on the beach. The, waster, the, 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 waster, the walrus is playing, like, on his cane like it's a flute, so it's kind of like a little Pied Piper thing where they're, he's leading all the children away. So they sit down at the, re- at the table that the carpenter has made, and the walrus sends the carpenter into the kitchen to make, like, soup and bread, well, it's going to be, I think it's going to be the broth that they're actually going to cook the oysters in. I don't think the carpenter knew. Really? No, because he gets super mad at no, the end. No, but he was hungry about it. I thought he was super mad because the walrus ate everything before no, he could. No, I think he was mad because when he he's first like, sees where the, are the baby oysters? Well, when he first sees the oysters, he's like super hungry. And then no. the walrus is just like, hang on, hang on. We got to play this cool. No, I think it's backwards. I think really? he made soup and bread for all of them. And then he's super mad that the oyster... Or that the walrus ate all the baby oysters. See, that's where I thought I was mixed up. Because when I was younger, I always thought that the carpenter was mad that he ate all the oysters. But really, I thought that it's just, he was just mad because the walrus ate everything before he could. Because it was kind of partially his idea. I gotta look this up. We gotta pause it? So after some <laughs> internet searches, it's undefined. It's still inconclusive of whether the carpenter was really... I guess, party to the predatory consumption of the oyster children. See, he made a lot of bread and soup, so I'm thinking he was going to feed the oysters. Well, I feel like that was what the walrus was saying, where he's just like, oh, help help to prepare something for our friends here. But I thought he was saying, like, literally prepare them, like, to this is what we're going to eat them in. Either way, all of the baby oysters died. And the carpenter chases the walrus down the beach trying to kill him. With a hammer, of course. Uh, Cut back to Alice and Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And she's like, oh, that's terrible. And then she sees the rabbit. Well, they even say like, see, so there's a a lesson to be learned here, like about curiosity. And she's just like, whatever. Yeah, if you're an oyster, but I'm not an oyster. So whatever. (laughs) And so she runs away. And she continues to follow the rabbit. And she gets to the rabbit's house. Who's yell and the rabbit is yelling, Marianne, Marianne. Because he's running late, obviously. He's always running late. And he mistakes Alice for Marianne and starts ordering her around. I've never understood who Marianne is. Like, is Marianne supposed to be a servant or his wife? Because he I, I think it's a housekeeper. I never I, I I realized when I was watching it this time that he has a whole like along a staircase, a big family portrait. So he's got a family, but maybe like you see all these like rabbit faces. But is Marianne supposed to be his wife? Because he's just like, fetch me my gloves. I need my gloves. Get my gloves, Marianne. I think it's a housekeeper. Like, I'd like to think he would yell at his wife like that. Do you think a, a royal page would have a housekeeper? If he's got like a billion rabbit children, then yes. Where are these rabbit children? We ask the tough questions on one you wish upon a star. So anyway, Alice is like, well, okay, I'll get your gloves. So she goes up into the house and as she's looking for the gloves, she finds a tin of cookies. And she eats one. Why not? 
And she starts growing and fills up the entire house, like arms poking through windows and legs poking out like the front door. And the rabbit just starts screaming, there's a monster, there's a monster. And the dodo bird's walking by. And Alice is just like, because he starts asking the dodo for help. And Alice is like, dodo, oh, I know the dodo. And so the rabbit's asking the dodo for help. He's like, you got to help me. There's a monster in my house. I don't know what to do. So the first thing that the that the dodo says is like, well, we got to get it out through the chimney. So they grab Bill. Bill is the chimney sweep, who's a lizard. And he's just like, Bill, I got a job for you. Well, bring me a, bring me your ladder. He walks by and he's like, oh, a lizard with a ladder. That's yeah. perfect. <laughs> we don't find out until later that his name is Bill. Yeah, he's just like, a lizard with a ladder. Come here, Bill. So Bill starts walking up the ladder. He's like, okay, sure. And then he like meets Alice's eye and he starts freaking out. He's, he's just like, he's the size Whoa. of Alice's eye. Yeah. They end up kind of forcing Bill down the chimney, and he's just like, it's so easy. All you got to do is go down there, wrap your tail around the monster's neck, and then climb right back up the chimney. That's all you've got to do. And he's like stuffing him in very, very violently. So he finally does that, but then in doing so, soot just comes in through the house, and it's all over the place, and it gets into Alice's nose, and she's just like, huh, 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 chew. And Bill just shoots up out of the chimney like a rocket. And everyone's just like, oh, no, Bill. And even Alice is sitting there. She's like, oh, poor Bill. And basically, like, Bill's dead. <laughs> Bill's gone. You never see him again. Goodbye, you see Bill. every other character in the movie again, <laughs> including the walrus and the car- carpenter. Who didn't even exist because they were in a story. And you don't see Bill. But there's no Bill. Bill is dead. R.I.P. Bill. R.I.P. Bill. So the next thing the dodo bird decides is that he's like, okay, well, we have to burn the house to the ground. We got to smoke <laughs> the monster out. Here comes, an, that's another thing where it's just like another, it could be a drug reference. Who knows if this was intended to begin with, or if it's been something that's adopted by drug culture, where they're just talking about like, we got to smoke. We got to smoke until, until the monster's gone. So obviously like the rabbit's freaking out because he's like, oh, all my furniture, my house, everything. And the dodo bird's like, it's the only way. So he starts building a fire under Alice. And Alice realizes, she's like, okay, well, I just need to eat something else. So she reaches into the rabbit's garden and grabs a carrot. Well, she reaches for the carrot. But for some reason, like, the rabbit reaches for the carrot first. So she grabs the rabbit. And the rabbit's like, don't eat me, don't eat me. She's like, I'm not going to eat. You're just going to eat a carrot. Just need something to eat. And she eats it. Eat, like, the carrot, not the rabbit. And uh, the rabbit goes running out of the house as she starts shrinking. And so she runs out the front of the house, except she's very small again. So she's climbing down a step and she talks to the dodo and the dodo is just like, oh, oh do you have a, do you happen to have a match? I'm, I'm still trying to light things on fire. Yeah, the monster's gone and the dodo bird's like, I'm still going to light things on fire. <laughs> and the rabbit runs away like, I'm late again, I'm late. So the rabbit runs away and Alice follows. Alice ends up in a garden all of a sudden, there's these bread and butterflies. They're so cute because they're and like these butterflies that look like loaves of bread that are buttered, but then they like land on a leaf to form a loaf of bread, like when they all kind of form together. And there's a rocking horse fly. Rocking horse fly. And there's. And, and then, and every, as she sees things where she's like, oh my gosh, it's butterflies, she hears a, like this voice in the, you know, off screen, just like, it's a bread and butterfly. And she's like, well, I suppose this is a rocking horse fly. And they're like, you are correct. And she's like, what is that? And then she's like, well, it couldn't be the flowers. And they're like, why couldn't it be the flowers? Because it's the flowers. It is the flowers. So they all start talking and they're just like, we need to sing a song now. And they're all suggesting like, we should sing a song about this flower or this. And they're all like, they all want to sing about themselves. 
but then finally like the the the, the red rose is just like no we're gonna sing golden afternoon ready three two one go and so they start singing that and alice tries to join in at one point but her voice cracks her voice cracks it's a little off and they're all and you see like some of the 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 more matronly flowers kind of wincing and looking at each other like "Mm, no no i don't know so it's a it's a cute song though because it's like there's a lot of visual gags of like the, like there's the dog and caterpillars and there's you know the dandelions and the morning glories and just all all of these flowers that have really descriptive names are all acting like these names. And so the flowers finish their song and they start asking her like what kind of flowers are you? And she's like well I'm not a flower. And they start flipping out because if you're not a flower, you're a weed. Yeah, they're like, I think she's such and such something. And she's like, what are you talking about? She's like, oh, weed. Another drug reference. And so they kick her out of the garden. They're like, we don't want weeds in our bed. And they kick her out and pour water on her, throw her out. And she's like, if I was my normal size, I'd stomp all over you. And then here, and then this is, this is that moment where... You got what you wished for in your in your wanting song. Like you wanted to be surrounded by flowers who were like your size, who are singing and everything. And they're all horrendous to you. And how does that feel, Alice? How does it feel? How does it feel? Alice gets away from the horribly vain flowers. And she's just like, oh, what do I do now? And she starts, she looks up in the sky and she sees these vowels floating above her head at which point brenna turned to me and said what the heck is happening in this movie well no i just mean in general (laughs) like i knew that we were coming upon the caterpillar but i was just like this movie is trippy like it's really weird it's a great movie when you're a child because you just it's just visuals it's all visuals and all just like ooh characters ooh colors ooh this that and so she follows these and comes upon the caterpillar who's smoking a hookah He's like oh. singing a song, Ooh. and the song is just him singing vowels, but be, but with sort of the tone and and mel- melody of like an Indian or Middle Eastern song. Like it's very, it, it, you know, he's got like the shoes that kind of curl up, so you know that it's kind of like a Central Asian thing that they're going for. So she gets there, and it, it, he's really funny because like he he when they start talking to each other. Anytime he says any word that has like a hominous sort of letter to it, it's like he blows that out of his mouth. Like, why? Or who are you? So letter you. R, letter U. And my favorite is when he says, when she says something and he's like, I am not. He Like this wisp of smoke comes out of his mouth and ties itself into a knot. No, you laughed a number of times at that. Well, because they just do some like really clever visual gags, which... I guess I took for granted as a kid where it's like somebody had to sit down and look at a script and write that out and be like, you know, it would be really funny here if we did this. So he basically smoke, uh, blows a bunch of smoke in Alice's face. Another drug reference. She coughs. She's coughing all the time. She gets super like angry and she just walks away and he calls back and he's like, I have something no, important to back, tell you. Back. So she stomps back and he tells her, you should keep your temper. And she's like, is that all you have to say? And she accidentally insults and him. And so he gets, he gets so off. mad. He's turning red and he's like, he's like puffing really hard off his hookah, like, <laughs> and covers himself and in a cloud of smoke. And like, smoke. And then she like gets really mad and blows the smoke away. But then all she sees is sort of like his husk 
of his body and, all and his, his shoes. shoes and his gloves <laughs> and she starts getting worried like uh oh what did i do but then she hears his voice up above and he's turned into a butterfly and he's like if you lick one side of the mushroom you'll get bigger and one side small and she's like what of what if i lick what he doesn't and he even comes- say mushroom he just says one side oh yeah the other and then he comes down and like in her face he's like the mushroom and then flies away and she's like rude he's still mad <laughs> she's like rude much and so she grabs one side of each of the mushroom so she takes like a tiny bite becomes a giant person and she's she gets got a like bird, bird nest on her, head. on her head and the bird's looking at her and looks down and sees like how tall she is and just thinks by the length serpent! of it she's a, she's serpent! a snake serpent so the bird freaks out and thinks she's a serpent she's like i'm not a serpent so she eats the other side she gets minuscule again and she's like well that's not gonna work so then she takes the side that's the big side and she just licks it ever so slightly and she gets to be the normal size of a human oh i forgot the whole eating mushrooms thing that's another drug reference see it's all over this movie so she starts following a path and there's like these tons of signs and she ends up coming across the cheshire cat that was Joe turning Hitch Page. Turn it's really pages. loud. Change the page. The page around. Turn the page. Turn the page. Yeah. So, <laughs> so she sees the chest. <clears throat> so she sees the chest are. <laughs> you want to take this one? Oh, I didn't write anything down for this part. Oh, you're the worst. So she sees the Cheshire cat. And the cat starts talking in rhythm, telling her rhymes, and points her in the direction of the Mad Hatter and the March Hare. And she originally is like, well, I don't want to see anybody who's mad. And the Cheshire cat's like, well, too bad everyone in this land land is mad. He even says, like, even I myself am not all there. And as he says that he starts disappearing, like, his body disappears underneath his stripes. Then the stripes disappear until it's just his head. And then his head disappears until it's just his mouth. And then his mouth is still talking. Like his teeth are talking and then they disappear. So she follows the way that the Cheshire cat told her to go. And she comes across the Mad Hatter and the Hare. And they're singing the unbirthday song along with the sleepy mouse. With the dormouse. When she first sees the tea party, it's engulfed in smoke. Again, another drug reference. Because tea is also known as the marijuana and so they're covered in the smoke yeah they say tea and then at the same time you see that the smoke is the steam that's coming from the tea pots pot another name for oh my god you're going so i'm saying i'm not saying i'm not crazy about this yeah you're crazy no 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 no. i'm just saying everyone's mad here either some of this this culture has influenced the movie or vice versa but there definitely is a connection alice sits down at the table and the Mad Hatter and the Cheshire, or uh, the Mad Hatter and the March Hare are just like, hello, it's rude to sit down at a table when you're uninvited. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. But they let her stay and because they liked her singing. And they keep offering her some tea. But the moment she's about to like take some, they just take it away. Like the first time it's just like, oh, no, sorry. Like you don't want that one. And they keep doing that throughout the entire thing. She never has any tea during this whole party. So they realize that it's also her unbirthday. They explain to her what an unbirthday is. They do a whole celebration for her, and the Mad Hatter pulls a large cake out of his hat that has a firework in the middle of it, which the small dormouse shoots out of and parachutes down into another teacup. He's singing like, twinkle, twinkle, little bat, how I wonder where you're at. 
And they do things like dip their saucers into the tea and eat them like cookies. They have teapots that have like multiple spouts on them so they can pour multiple like cups of tea at the same time. I always thought this was great when I was a kid. Then comes the clean cup move down and Alice is like, I'm so frustrated. Like I'm just trying to figure out how to get home or where this rabbit is. And the Mad Hatter goes, okay. Tell us your story. And she's like, I don't quite know how to tell this. And he goes, well, start at the beginning. And when you come to the end, stop. (laughs) The timing of it is so perfect. It's so amazing where it's just like, even for like modern day standards, like that is great comedic timing. Like I want to tell that to people. When someone's (laughs) like, I have a story to tell you. Okay. Start at the beginning. Start at the beginning. And when you come to the end, stop. (laughs) So um, I think I know why the dialogue in the scene is so great. And uh, that leads me to a fun fact. (gasps) Fun Fun facts facts with with Joe Payo. Fun fact with Joe Payo. This scene is pretty special when it comes to this movie because it was, uh, I know we've talked about in times in the past where the animators would get together and sort of like for animation reference, they would record like take video or I guess at the time it was film of themselves or actors or things like that, like acting out the parts. Well, in this, they actually had a soundstage at Disney. They set up a table with all these these cups and uh, teapots and everything like that. And the voice actors themselves were recorded doing the, the, like, the whole scene with the lines, the movements, and everything like that. And there was a lot of ad-libbing on this. It was like the first time that they'd done that, where like, sometimes they would just, the actors would just improvise. The Mad Hatter is played by Ed Wynn, who's a very, very great uh, Disney actor. You might also know, know him as, um, what was he, the uncle in uh, Mary Poppins? Bert's uncle, the one who's la- who loves to laugh, and he's like up on the ceiling, like <laughs> I can't stop laughing. They uh, recorded the scene just so that they could, like you know, they and on video just so that they could get some reference for movement. But they had such a great time doing that that they were also like recording the dialogue while they were doing that, and they were having so much fun with it. But and so when Disney saw it, he's like, I want the scene to be exactly this. And they're like, okay, well, I guess we'll have to re-record and reanimate and everything. He's like, no, I want this. So the engineers had to go in and figure out how to remove some of the extra sounds to use the exact dialogue and movement that the actors were doing, doing the scene. So they could have like a clean audio version that would actually be used in the movie. That's a good fun fact. Yeah. So another part that I really enjoy from that scene is that Alice is telling something about how she started her day. And she says, like, well, I was sitting with my cat and the dormouse, like, freaks out and they get mad at her. And and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't think. And the Mad Hatter tells her, if you don't think, you shouldn't talk. (laughs) And I was like, well, isn't that poignant in our day and age? (laughs) And they have to calm down the mouse by putting like jam on its nose or something like that. So throughout this whole thing, Alice gets really frustrated with all the riddles and the fact that she doesn't get any tea. And the rabbit comes, the white rabbit comes running past. So the Mad Hatter grabs him and it's like, where are you going so fast? And he's like, oh, I'm late. I'm late. And he looks at his clock and he's like, oh, well, your clock is two days late. Let me fix it. And he rips open his pocket watch. He pulls out all the gears. He throws in sugar butter tea tea jam and then when the the march hair goes to add it mustard, mustard he goes that's just silly and then adds lemon 
he shoves the watch back together and it starts like freaking out on the table bouncing around and the march hare smashes it like, like, mad, well, that watch, was a, mad watch that was a mad watch <laughs> and the the rabbit grabs and goes well, that was an unbirthday present and, gets and then really they're just sad. like it's your unbirthday and they start singing to him and he goes running off and alice goes running after him and she loses sight of him and she just says i've had enough of this nonsense i want to go home she can't figure out which way is home. She wanders into the woods. The and this is when it's Toji just wood? weird birds. Like, first is a pair of weird glasses with a nose attached that jump on her face that's also a bird. And she's like, no, you have to get off. I'm sad. She's, like, mad-dogged by some vulture umbrellas. And she wanders deeper into the woods. And there's a shovel bird. And a bird where its stomach is a cage where more birds are inside of it and an accordion owl and pencil birds and hammer birds well there's also the the frogs those aren't birds those are that's too many birds no but there's frogs They're, the frogs are jumping on lily pads and like one of them has like a cymbal head and one has like a timpani body so as they jump over they make drum sounds like yeah it's too many birds okay. there's like one frog and a billion birds so she starts singing the song where, and, and the song is sort of like where she's singing about how she always gave herself really good advice, but she never really takes it. The birds all start crying. And th- this, this was the point when, when I was a kid, I just kind of zoned out because it's just like, whatever, she's just crying and it's just kind of in the dark. It, this has nothing to do with anything to do with the story. Now seeing as an adult that there's nothing at all in any of this resembles an actual story. Nope. But this is kind of a stopping point because she just sits on a rock and just starts crying and singing. And then they all start disappearing and then the Well, Cheshire they start cat disappearing in the weirdest way. Like their outlines are visible and then their outlines disappear. It's like the color goes away yeah. and then the outline disappears. And then all of a sudden the Cheshire cat's there. And he's there, and he's just like, what's wrong? And she's just like, well, I've been like, trying to figure out where to go, and I don't know what to do. Because at one point, she tried following, the, like, the, the pencil birds said, like, follow the momraths, which are, like, these little frond things that start, like, that form an arrow, and then they point her to a path, but then the path is swept away by, like, a broom dog. This, is, this sounds really weird. I, if I didn't see this in a movie, people would think I was hallucinating. She's just like, I don't know what to do. I don't have any direction. He, she's, he's just like, well, you know, you can always go see the queen. And she's like, the queen? I haven't met a queen. I have no idea what you're talking about. And he's like, <laughs> she'll be totally mad about you. Which is kind of, in retrospect, it's kind of a double meaning. Because it's like, you think that it's going to be like, oh, she'll love you. But that really, that means like, no, she's going to be mad about you. And so she's like, well, how do I get there? And she, he's like, well, you could go that way or that way. Or you could take the shortcut he pulls like a lever on a tree branch, which opens the, up the tree trunk into a doorway, which shows the garden, like the royal garden. That's like a hedge maze. And this is where we get to the set of cards that are painting the roses red. This set of cards is the ace, two, and three of clubs. The three of clubs, which is my favorite playing card. Anyway, they are <laughs> painting the roses red. They're singing the song, painting the roses red. And... They're just, and she's kind of asked them in song, just like, why are you doing this? And they're like, we accidentally painted white roses. Planted. We accidentally planted white roses. Uh, if the queen, and the queen loves red roses, if she finds that we did this, she's going to take our heads. But, uh, so we're just going to go through and paint them all red. So she's like, oh, I'll help you. Yeah. 
So she grabs a paintbrush and they're just painting all the roses. And then all of a sudden it's like, burr, 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 burr. the queen's arriving. And they're like, oh my gosh, hide the paint, hide the paint. So the carts march in. But it turns out that the white rabbit was late for playing the trumpet for the queen. Yeah, this is when it's revealed that the white rabbit actually has the job of being sort of the royal page slash caddy for the queen. And while that's happening, when all of the cards start running in, it's similar to a Dumbo style number where like the cards change color, they're running all over the place. It's sort of like when you win a game of solitaire and the cards are just bouncing around. I actually wrote down in my notes that the the, the cards marching in was kind of like the pink elephants on parade oh, scene. Oh, same thing. I wrote thoughts. down the same thing, yeah. Because they're coming in and it feels very much almost like a, like a dream sequence because, yeah, there's multiple colors and tr- strange perspectives. They're all walking in certain, like, patterns and everything like that. And I totally forgot that the thing that they're whistling was from this movie like I, I just heard that so many times growing up that i never actually thought that it's like oh this is from a scene from a movie well i like that we wrote down the same thing yeah me too we should get married or something whatever <laughs> you hear after they do this march in you hear the queen the queen's voice yelling like cards count off and you see like all of the <laughs> You see all of the these like they're all standing in a line and as they count their names they that you know they they stand off to the side to sort of form a corridor and they start like ace two three four five six seven eight nine ten and then you see this one jack card that's like jack and you yeah, it's just by side. itself it's like jack but it makes sense because with the queen she's the only queen of hearts but like the, you know there's there's multiples of any of any of the other cards that are numbers but there's only one jack of hearts there's only one king of hearts and there's only one queen of hearts. And so it's like, when it's just the one, Jack, you just jumps to the side. And then you see the king kind of like running through too. He's the only one. So the queen comes in. She realizes that the roses have been painted and she gets super angry. And she, all the cards that have been painting are laying face down along with Alice. And she orders all of the cards to lose their head. So basically all these cards are like carted off and they're dead. Yeah, you never see them again. You never see them again. But there are multiples of every card, so it's like you don't really kind of notice. Like, it's not like they don't have a full deck anymore. It's like, no, they're easily replaceable. So Alice tries to plead with the queen, and the king steps in and, and says, like, no, this is a little girl. And so the queen's like, oh my gosh, a little girl. Well, curtsy while you're talking. Open your mouth wider. Stand up straight. Stand up straight. Like, she starts giving Address her all these me instructions. Address me, and do this. And, and she's so, like, when you talk to me, also curtsy. It saves time. And so Alice is following all the instructions and makes the queen happy. And the queen's like, do you play croquet? And Alice is like, yes. And so they start a game of croquet. I remember, this is the only time I'm going to be like, well, the book. <laughs> I remember in the book that the game that they play is actually called Roquet, like without the C. And Alice is just like, I don't know what Roquet is. I play Croquet. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. That's a completely different game. This is Roquet. So what's what's Roquet? It's the one that they play with, like, the flamingos and moles or whatever that is. It's But it's kind oh. of the same rules. But it's not. And so I just remember that being, like, one little detail that in the Disney movie, they're like, we're not going to even touch that. It's just going to be <sighs> Croquet. It's Croquet, but we use animals. The queen steps up and she's got a flamingo that she uses as her bat. And there's like these little like, what are they, hedgehogs? They're either hedgehogs or moles, I don't know. Yeah, they're like little moles or hedgehogs as the balls. And so when the queen hits her little Well, she doesn't even hit it. She misses completely. 
and the king is just like go 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 and so the hedgehog rolls and the cards all move because the to, cards are the archways that they're supposed to go through yeah to make it so that the queen wins and so, then the one that like misses who's like running for you know to to get the uh to, to be an arch over the hedgehog he misses he skids on his face and the queen's just automatically like mm, off with his head and he's just and the king's just like okay off with his head yeah so he just dies that's the only thing that I, I noticed on this watching is that anytime the queen says something, the king is just like, yep, yep, that's what she says. I'm the king and I say that this is what it has to be. Kind of legitimizing her power. And so instead of just saying like, well, let me stop you there. He's just like, yep, yep. I said that this was what the rule is. So Alice goes up to shoot. Her flamingo won't stay straight. It's making a joke of her. The queen's starting to get angry. At one point, the flamingo pretends to use her as a mallet. And all the cards are laughing, and the king is laughing, and the queen is getting mad. Alice finally gets the bird to hit the hedgehog, and she doesn't hit a single card. Because all the cards They all go out of the way, or they flatten out. At this point, the queen goes to take her turn again, and Alice notices that the Cheshire cat is sitting on the queen's butt. And the queen can't see the Cheshire cat, and gets really mad when Alice is like, There's a cat there! And the cat is taunting Alice, saying, like, oh, let's make the queen really angry. And he, like, hooks, as she's about to take her shot, he hooks the beak of the flamingo underneath her dress. So that when she goes to swing it, her dress goes over the top of her head, and it reveals her underwear, which is all hearts. And she flips over. Meanwhile, all the cards are like, protect the queen, protect the queen! And it's like, they do this whole secret service thing where they all kind of, like, jump around her and make a wall. So she gets like really, really angry and she turns around, just points to Alice and be like, you did this off with your head. You're dead. And but the king convinces the queen to allow Alice to have a trial. That's the other thing that I realized is that the king is actually the only person who can talk back to the queen. Like the queen will be like, I want things to be like this. And anybody says anything else, they're just like, she's just like off with your head. But the king is the one who's just like, um, um, my dear, uh, why don't we give her a fair trial? She's just like all right okay like he's the only one that can influence her well yeah they're married that's what a marriage so is So it's like you like you're totally unreasonable and i'm the only person who can be like no 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 calm down or <laughs> <laughs> like i i like the analogy but <laughs> <laughs> no it's totally correct so getting back to the movie and no further analogies um the king convinces <laughs> The king convinces the queen to allow it uh, to allow a trial, and they get to the trial. And in the trial setting, the queen's like, "Okay, we're in a trial. Off with her head!" And the king's oh, like, "Oh, she says she says she wants to do allow witnesses. She says she wants to do the uh, the sentencing before like the actual trial, like to start with that." And Alice is like, "No, that's not how this goes." And they're just like, "I don't care." And so she's about to say off with her head, and the king's just like, mm, well, maybe, maybe maybe, we should listen to witnesses first. So they bring in the March Hare, the Dormouse, and the Mad Hatter, all of which bring absolute nonsense that the queen finds very important. They all discover that it's their unbirthdays, and they end up having an impromptu party during, like, the sentencing, and the queen gets a gift that at the end of which... Like is the, the gift, Cheshire Cat? The gift is a crown. Like she gets a, the, you know, she, as, as they all start singing the unbirthday song, Alice is just like rolling her eyes, just like, ugh, this, ugh, this stuff again. Then the queen gets like uh, a gift and she thinks that it's going to be maybe something that explodes. So Alice kind of braces herself, but it turns out to be a crown. 
and it's a crown that like she puts on her head that fits perfectly inside of her existing crown but then it turns out to be the cheshire cat and so it's all just well and that sets off the dormouse because it's the cat they're like well we've got to we've got to calm the dormouse down and put some jelly on its nose and so alice like takes some and flings it as the queen turns around it hits her all in the face and then there's like more like running around somebody hit the queen in the head with the mallet by the time the queen is able to see what's going on, Alice is holding both the jelly jar and the mallet. <laughs> so she obviously thinks she did both. At this point, Alice gets super mad and she's like, you know what? Forget this. And she eats the enlarging mushroom and grows <laughs> to be as big as the courtroom. She starts like grabbing the cards and like using them like playing cards, like, like fanning them, them out, throwing them. It's like 52 pickups. Yeah. She just flings them everywhere. She starts like talking like mad beef at the queen, just being like, you know what? You're a horrible person, this and that. And even if I was your size, I would totally show you peace of my mind. And as this is happening, because she ate both the enlarging and the shrinking mushroom, she is shrinking down back to normal size as she's saying this. So when she gets back to normal size, the queen's like, ha ha, off what with your you head. What were you saying? Yeah, oh yeah, she goes, what were you saying? And the Cheshire Cat goes, oh, well, I think she was saying blah, 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 and repeats everything <laughs> Alice says. And at this point, the queen can hear the Cheshire Cat. Alice is like, screw you, cat. She goes running out of the courtroom. And everybody starts chasing her. She goes like into the labyrinthine hedge maze, and they're like running through. And it, the way that it looked, that, that it's animated, it looks like she doesn't have anywhere to go. But she starts like running at, a, at a, like a group of cards and like kind of kicks them over. And so they all flatten and she's like running up them like a half pipe. Well, and the thing is, you see all of the animals in the entire movie, except for the ones. Except for Bill. The, the, well, except for Bill, poor Bill. And, the ones, and the ones that have been beheaded. You even see the walrus and the carpenter. Because she, it, it, it becomes a lot looser in sort of the logic that's been set up where it's just like, oh, you're in this wonderland and everything else like this. It becomes more dreamlike in the sense where things become associative, where if something spills over, then all of a sudden she's back in the ocean. And then if something becomes like, I don't know, bird-like, then all of a sudden she's with the birds. And it just keeps like jumping from like one sort of setting to the other very, very quickly. Well, and they all end up back on the original beach and they're all like running in circles. Like even the king and queen queen. are running around. In that, in that little, like, what was it, the caucus race? Yeah, and she sees the carpet, uh, excuse me, she sees the caterpillar, which makes a smoke bridge to the doorknob that tells her she's actually outside already. So the doorknob's like, see? And he opens up his mouth and she sees through, like, a keyhole that she's actually asleep outside, like, against the tree that the, where the movie started, holding the cat. And she just, like, starts shouting through it, like, wake up, Alice, wake up, wake up. And then as everybody attacks, it all just kind of explodes into color and light. And then all of a sudden, she's, like, back asleep where exactly she saw herself, where all of that light is really just kind of, like, the light that's been, like, refracted through the leaves of the tree. And as she's waking up, her nanny teacher is like, tell me the lesson you just recited. And she starts reciting... The, what the caterpillar told her yeah. about the crocodile and, and his shiny tail. Yeah. And her nanny's like, what? She's like, that doesn't make any <laughs> she sense. She gets really mad at her. But and she's anyway. Like, you know what? Forget it. It's time to go home for tea. Let's go have tea. And they walk off. And then that's the end. And Alice leaves her drug-induced <laughs> movie. So what'd you think of Alice in Wonderland? Well, I mean, entertainment-wise, I, I very much enjoyed it. 
So I know it had kind of a loose storyline. At least we had sort of the plot of like trying to find the white rabbit and what that was happening. It didn't, but that that was the thing that I was trying to understand was that yes, that is the initial thing of just like where is the white rabbit going? He goes to Wonderland, and she doesn't like stop and say like, "Wow, look at all this stuff around me." She's just like, "No, no, no, I still got to go to the, whatever this party this guy's going to." <laughs> he's he's dressed with a waistcoat obviously he's going to a party even when he changes out of the waistcoat she's just like i still gotta follow him and see where he's going right but at least there was a loose storyline it wasn't like i hate to throw it under the bus but the three caballeros yeah that one had no storyline whatsoever and well was the only bit of story it was wildly just like, painful to watch it's donald's birthday so here's all this stuff that happens like people are just like here's a gift look at this look at this look at this the end like at least this with its very loose storyline was entertaining and yeah. one thing kind of bled into the next and like we you were able to see the connection between them yeah i mean i i always thought that like the whole point of the story was how she's you know she has her wanting moment where she's just like i want to be in this world that i designed where and that happens throughout many times in it where she's like in wonderland something really strange happens and she just kind of says to herself just like well, I got to be sure to write this down in my book. Like, she, it's it's kind of like this thing where she's like, well, yeah, that's that's part of the world that I've created. But in this, it's like she never actually stops and looks around and says, like, I'm in the exact place where I want to be. It's a little like Wizard of Oz because she 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 wants to go to this place where nonsense is is law. But then she actually goes there and she's like, mm-hmm. I'm so frustrated with everything. But she still has that drive in like following the White Rabbit everywhere he goes. She also struck me as, like, a child. Like, a small child. Yeah. I I used to think of Alice as, like, I don't know, 15, 16 years old, just based on the cartoon itself. But now that I've watched it, I think of her as more of, like, seven or eight years old. Yeah, she's very juvenile. But at the same time, she's very, like, you can tell she's been ingrained with certain kinds of things. Like, she's always talking, like you said, she's always talking about manners and behavior and things like that and you can tell that she's really regurgitating things that people have told her things that she's expected to do but she's just like well really you're supposed to be doing this not that but that's what she was trying to reject in the beginning which is probably why this is all manifesting in the dream that she's having well and i know the book is very laden with drug references i mean lewis carroll was supposedly like a huge drug user yeah supposedly Anyway, uh, how would you feel about some fun facts? Oh my gosh, there's more fun facts? Oh, there's many fun facts. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Fun facts with with Joe Payo. (laughs) Well, I looked up some facts for this, and (laughs) one of the things that I really disliked about this was that a lot of the facts had to do with just like, well, the movie does this, but the book does this. That's why I was so hesitant to oh, bring Lord. up my fact. Because, what are we watching? Harry Potter? Yeah, but that's that's because that was one that came from my memory, not something that I read. But most of the facts that I had read were just all about comparing the book to the movie. But I decided to throw all of those out the window and just mm-hmm. bring bring only the really interesting ones that had to do with the movie itself. This movie has more characters and songs than any Disney animated film. Which you can tell because like there's some moments where a song starts up and then is immediately interrupted. Wait. Like there are a ton of songs in this and a ton of characters. Wait, I get the character part, but the songs? Yeah, there's a ton of songs. You, there, you, 
outside of this, there were a ton of songs that they deleted. Where they're just like, we have no place for this. This is way too long. Really? Yeah. Like, they had to cut so many songs. That's why some songs are just like, they start and then immediately they're over. Because it has so many songs. Hmm. I don't know if this is that it has the record for a number of songs that are in the movie. But I know that there are... It definitely has the record for songs that were written for this movie. Here's another one. Ooh. This movie was a box office failure. No way. Yeah, when it first came out in theaters, nobody liked it. Nobody went to see it. Nobody cared about it. The only reason why we're still talking about it today is that in the 1960s, it gained a cult following. Obviously, like I said, because of drug culture. So a lot of colleges would do uh, analyses of these and talk about just sort of its relationship to drug culture or to you know just culture in general and so the schools would always request from the disney studios a 16 millimeter print and disney would provide it because they'd be like what somebody's interested in this movie that nobody cared about sure yeah so they would send it like for free and say like here you go here's a here's a print so around the time that they realized that that this was becoming something that everybody was loving in 1974 which was 23 years later, they re-released it in theaters, and it was a huge box office hit. Hmm. Here's another fact. Aldous Huxley, the author of Brave New World, actually wrote one of the first drafts of this movie. But everybody thought it was way, way too intellectual. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason why Aldous Huxley wanted to write it was that his mother was a friend of Lewis Carroll, the original writer of the book. Hmm. And so he actually brought in a lot of very personal stuff that uh, he knew was the actual author's intention in the story. But everybody's just like, nah, no, we're making a kid's movie. Stop trying to blow our minds. Uh, This movie was the first movie that was featured in Disney's Wonderful World of Color. (gasps) I love the Wonderful World of Color. Well, you don't remember the original Wonderful, Wonderful World of Color because that was on TV in 1954. It was a TV show that eventually became the wonderful world of Disney, where it's like once a week they would show a full-length movie that was like a big production. So this was the first full-length movie that was shown on it. Hmm. So I was about to hijack fun facts, and I literally can't read your notes. I picked up your (laughs) notebook just now because I was going to be like, oh, I have a fun fact. Like I was going to hijack your fun facts. I cannot read your notes at all. You have arrows. One of them says gossipy. Yeah uh what well do you want me to tell you all about that yes since i can't <laughs> read your freaking handwriting there was a gossip columnist oh, Lord. named hedda hopper uh-huh and she asked walt disney you know the queen of hearts she's obviously based on somebody you're actually you 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 definitely have an axe to grind who is that based on and he's just like all right i'll tell you but i won't tell anyone else of course she published it so everybody knew mm-hmm he based the queen on another gossip columnist named Luella Parsons. And so she was this woman who was an actress and a writer, a gossip columnist. She was known for her short temper, and she always wore her hair up in a bun. <laughs> and so he was ba- she was based on a journalist he kind of disliked. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I have a fun fact. What? Fun facts with Brenna. Peyo. Okay, you didn't everyone, sing it with me. Well, because everyone knows I just stole it from you. Disney planned for this to be a hybrid live action animation project. Oh, Joe, tell us more. Okay. Well, uh, before uh, Steamboat Willie, when Disney. Burr, 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 burr. Oh. 
Before Steamboat Willie, when Disney was just kind of like playing around with animation with Ub Iwerks, they used to create these silent films called the Alice Adventures, which were loosely based on Alice in Wonderland, where they actually got a live action girl to perform on a soundstage, and then they animated around her so that it looked like she was interacting with animated characters. This movie was supposed to be a callback to that, saying like, we have such better technology now, we're going to do a full live action animated hybrid kind of like mary poppins or bed knobs and broomsticks but this is going to be like the high-tech version of what we started doing so that was the original idea and then eventually they scrapped it yeah that totally was my fun fact <laughs> good job i like that oh thanks. that's a good fact uh-huh so the last fact here is that uh the first choice to play alice was mary pickford who is one of the stars of silent cinema probably when they were thinking of doing like a hybrid and then they were like well, how about we get Ginger Rogers? Like, everyone loves her. She sings really well. And then they were thinking, well, maybe we can just, like, go really young with this. So they hired this actress named Catherine Beaumont. She was 13 at the time. Uh, Catherine Beaumont is still alive today. Hmm. Yeah. And when she went in to record, she wore the exact dress that Alice wears in the movie. Oh. So it helped when they were, like, recording, like, the live action stuff, like, on camera, but even when they weren't, like, she was, she just decided she wanted to wear the dress to, like, encapsulate the character. I'd want to wear the dress. And we are going to hear more from her when we do the movie Peter Pan, because she is the voice of Wendy Darling. Oh, that's what Gillian was saying earlier. Gillian knows her stuff. Yeah. Fun facts with, with Gillian, Gillian Milstein. Milstein. Okay, that was just a throw out to her. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I have for Alice in Wonderland. Oh, we should talk about the wine. We forgot to talk about it earlier. We didn't do it at the start. The wine that we got uh, is a Cabernet Sauvignon from a winery called King Rabbit. It's a 2016 product de France. It's, it's actually a French wine. And uh, we got it because the label is red and has a white rabbit on it. Yeah, a creepy... It's kind of creepy. AF rabbit. It's like a Ralph Steadman rabbit. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying. Like, its eyes kind of bleed down into its face. But it kind of works with Alice in Wonderland. I, yeah, that's it's true. it's kind of creepy. Um, what did you think of the wine? I thought it was good. Yeah. It was a good generic wine. We It wasn't too expensive. We got it at, like, Whole Foods. Yeah, for, like, what? I don't think we spent... Around $10. Yeah, it was, like, 10 maybe 15 at most. Yeah. I don't even think it was that much. But it was tasty. It was good. Yeah, I enjoyed and it. And especially because it's been sitting in our hard, hot apartment for, like, a month. Yeah, so it obviously <laughs> sustained terrible conditions. But still good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, uh, we hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts? I don't have any final thoughts. I I, I was just about to say, like, join us next time for... I don't know what the next movie is. Is it Sword in the Stone, maybe? I don't remember. Do you want me to look it up right now? I'll look it up right now. We'll take a pause while Joey looks up the list. He's moving his fingers across his phone. And he's looking up the list. Oh, what's our next movie? Nobody knows. It's Peter Pan. We're seeing Peter Pan next. It's Peter Pan. Yeah. So join us next time for Peter Pan. And uh, with that, we will bid you cheers. Cheers. Cheers.